This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, December 18th, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. The importance of the rule of law is hard to overstate. It defines those societies not governed by the whims of central authorities. Tom Palmer, Cato Institute Senior Fellow and General Director of the Atlas Global Initiative for Free Trade, Peace, and Prosperity, believes that promoting liberty and the rule of law means discovering those traditions in cultures around the world. He talks about these themes in his new book, Realizing Freedom, Libertarian Theory, History, and Practice. We spoke December 1st following a forum for the book. You talked a little bit today about defending Western values and promoting Western values, and you said, I don't defend or promote Western, quote-unquote, values. Why did you say that? Because it, it captures too much, if you will. People who say that normally have in mind uh, the ideas of the Enlightenment, of toleration, of freedom, and so on. But Western history includes a lot of things that aren't captured in that. You think about the history of slavery, uh, great empires through military conquest, uh, socialism, that's a very Western idea. You don't find it coming out of other societies. Uh, a lot of terrible things that most people who use that term would reject. And indeed, uh, my Chinese friends make a point of saying, you know, people say, oh, you Chinese people, you have socialism. They say, yeah, thanks to one of your Western values brought to us by Karl Marx, a German communist, and uh, Vladimir Lenin, a Russian communist. These are European ideas, not Chinese. So I think it's better to talk about the values of liberty, the values of justice and peace. And those are universal. You do find them in every culture and civilization. And admittedly, in greater or lesser degrees in terms of being realized in practice. But the values of freedom, the values that uh, we defend, the values that the American founders defended are very definitely universal values. You also talked about libertarian values within specific cultural contexts and that a lot of these ideas don't necessarily look the same when talking about China. You talked about how... um, these things need to emerge from within a Chinese context, a lot of these ideas. Let me give you an example. When the American founders in the Declaration of Independence and then later in the Constitution articulated the ideas of liberty that they believed in, they drew on a tradition going back to Magna Carta, to the English Bill of Rights, to the levelers in England, a great many historical precedents. And they were rooted in their culture. They are part of the everyday language. Those ideas, of course, can be articulated in other languages, and Portuguese or Russian or Swahili or Chinese. That's not an issue. But they need to be connected to their own history as well. So a good example would be the way in which Chinese libertarians talk about the traditions of uh, Lao Tzu or Taoist ideas and also elements of the Confucian tradition that talked about the importance of restraint on the part of governors. Governors are supposed to act in a way consistent with justice, with law, with what we would call rights, and that when government is restricted to the provision of justice, the people themselves will become orderly and will generate wealth and prosperity. It's the ideas of Adam Smith long, long before Adam Smith articulated them in Europe. If uh, libertarian ideas are to have uh, purchase in those societies, they need to be connected to their own narrative of liberty and not seen entirely as some kind of a, a foreign import. And that's true in, in I think, every cultural context. I uh, will make a bold claim 
It is subject to being uh, disputed and uh, possibly disproven, but that every culture has its own narrative of liberty as well as a narrative of power and coercion and oppression. What we want to do uh, in our own context, whichever it may be, is to uncover that narrative liberty and connect it to present-day struggles and concerns. Ideas, consensus, uh, when it comes to uh, liberty, are very different than the ideas and consensus uh, that can emerge out of like physical sciences and an understanding that we learn certain things, we pile knowledge on top of that, and we move on. A lot of the lessons of uh, the value of a free society have to be learned repeatedly. And so it, it, in that sense, it's an easier sell to say that ideas matter, but in a specific time and place, it's often a very difficult sell to people. Well, that is one of the remarkable differences between ideas about justice and social order, uh, political and legal principles that differentiates them from, say, principles of geometry or chemistry or physical science. Sometimes those ladders have been, latter ideas have been forgotten as well, and these are civilizational catastrophes. But it, it's a bit unusual that people forget about the Pythagorean theorem. But to forget that if you pump up the money supply, you will get inflation and bad consequences, well, duh, this was just forgotten recently in America, where our government has been massively increasing the money supply, as if there's going to be no consequence from this. Uh, the idea that you can just whittle away at the foundations of the legal system, violating the rule of law over and over and over, and that there'll be no systemic consequences. Well, this is a hard lesson that needs to be taught over and over and learned over and over, and we will never run out of occasions to explain the importance of liberty of property, of the market economy, of toleration, and of the rule of law to every generation. Also, notably, generationals are not discrete. They overlap each other. We just use it as a figure of speech, this generation or that generation. It's very rare that they come in packages like that. So continuously through time, we have to always explain the importance of liberty. This is something that Leonard Reed of the Foundation for Economic Education emphasized, and he did such a great job. His little essay, I Pencil, is so wonderful. I encourage people to read that. It's not in my book, but you can find it online. And I've participated in having that translated into a multitude of different languages because it's such a beautiful statement of how free societies work. Related to what you were just saying, what is the importance of applying principles uh, of, of liberty uh, rather than going issue by issue uh, to try to pick apart which policies work and which don't? Well, uh, in effect, the structure of a free society is a little bit about like the architecture of a house. Uh, my friend Randy Barnett, in his really good book, The Structure of Liberty, I'll put in a plug for that book too, uh, says that when you build a house, you have to have certain principles of architecture. You can build lots of different kinds of houses, but you can't just cobble things on top of it any way that pleases you or that seems to suit your fancy and and think, oh, it'll never collapse. You can't take bricks from the foundation to make it taller without it collapsing. There are principles of architecture and of structural engineering that matter for the stability of a house. And analogously, we have principles that generate free, prosperous, dynamic, progressive societies. And those are stability of property, limited government, freedom of contract, uh, independent judiciary and the rule of law, toleration, 
and peace. Those principles need to be applied. They need to be deeply rooted as well. In contrast, the view that says, ah, we'll just jigger with it here and there, we'll make some little change, that doesn't look to how those fit into the overall architecture or structural design of the house, will generate a house that will collapse on you. Tom Palmer is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and director of the Atlas Global Initiative for Free Trade, Peace, and Prosperity. You can watch the full book forum or order your copy of Realizing Freedom at Cato.org.